1: I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome
2: back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Taper, Ted Wynn, Deshaun Reed, ready to get you set for the Raiders' final preseason game, the return to the Bay. They're coming back to play the 49ers in Santa Clara on Sunday. Get guys sense, any, any emotion about coming back to the Bay? Is this uh, I mean, it's a preseason game. We're not really going to see Derek Carr. We're not going to see the starters. So I don't know how how big of a deal this is for the team that they're making their first return trip back to the Bay.
3: I would say no. I'd say for the fans, I'm sure it's cool for the Bay Area fans to be able to see their, their old guys uh, once more. But for the players, I think they're kind of on, you know, to Vegas, kind of this is all behind them. I think, like you said, a lot of key players won't play. So, uh the chance for a Divine Diablo to meet the old Bay Area fans, but other than that, it's about it.
4: Yeah, I kind of wonder if they're going to get because when we went to the Rams game last week, it was a pretty pro Raiders crowd. They came out to an ovation and they were getting cheers when they made good plays and stuff like that. So I wonder, like, if the Bay will be—I know it's not quite you know Oakland, of course—but will it be any saltiness since they just left, or will it be a warm welcome again? I'm kind of interested to see how the how the fans react to to the team coming back.
2: Yeah, that's weird. I kind of figure they have more fans in L.A. than they than they might have in the Bay Area, just because they kind of own that market for so long, where they've they've never really owned the Bay Area market. Mm. So, You're yeah.
3: fighting words, Jimmy. Raider fans, see, the, Raider fans are gonna be mad. fans are gonna be hot about that one. Do you think? Can you say they ever owned the Bay Area market? I can't <laughs> say that, but Raider fans will say that.
1: Well, speaking about fighting, remember they they stopped doing this series because there were so many fights between Bay Area fans initially. So you know, I wonder what's the environment going to be like, you know, with the Raiders coming back.
3: Well, it's a one o'clock kickoff, that's that, that, what they're That's on yeah, purpose. So they're trying to avoid. <laughs> Guys getting too drunk, but people might start drinking at nine. I don't know. Who knows?
2: Yeah, we had the Thursday night game a few years back, twenty eighteen, Thursday night game. That one you know, I'm sure there was a few fights. I think there was a little bit, but it wasn't uh it wasn't anything excessive. I mean, honestly, I think when they had all the fighting before and they decided to cancel it, I mean that was them playing at like Candlestick and, and playing at the Coliseum, like those places kind of give up that give off that grimy vibe. Whereas hey. I don't know, you get the Levi's and it's it's just the little bit of a of a more sterile vibe that uh, I don't know doesn't quite lead to the fighting
3: as much. I guess. I agree with that. It's, it's Steril. pretty sterile. <laughs> I love that word. It's a, it's a sterile
2: stadium. See, by by getting back on Raiders fans' good side by calling Levi's yeah. Stadium sterile. Good job. Good job. There, there we nice go.
1: Sir. Yeah, I mean, if you have a Thomas Keller restaurant attached to your stadium, then uh, (laughs) it's pretty sterile.
2: The best thing you could say about Levi Stadium is it's there. It's newish. But um, anyways, uh, getting back to uh, a story from earlier in the week, uh, Vic... You, uh, you set the world on fire on Monday morning with, uh, the, the news from, uh, from, from a few months back, from back in March that the Raiders tried to get Khalil Mack back. Um, it's funny because you look at the reactions, we don't want him back, he's overpaid, or we do, oh, I love Khalil, I miss him, uh, kind of a range of emotions from people. But I, I you know, I, I like the way you framed it where you actually think this paints John Gruden in a good light because He's like, I don't give a crap what you guys think about me trading him in the first place because I know everybody hated me for that in the first place. Like, it, it paints him in a little bit of a good light that he was willing to, to to even try to to see if he can get him back.
3: Yeah, I think John wants to win at all costs. I think, and, and obviously he's losing patience this year four. I think he had one big financial bullet to fire, and if it wasn't going to be Ngakwe in free agency before that, is you know what? Let's see if the Bears have some salary cap trouble. Let's see if they have any yeah, notions of maybe making a move and getting a. Khalil back. So I thought, it was a, I thought it was a good thing. I know people thought it was bad, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it showed um, that John doesn't really care about what people think. He just wants to win. And obviously still respects Mac as a player. And I think to me, it also dispels the notion that like, back when this happened, I was like, oh, Khalil cool. Mac doesn't want to be a Raider. That wasn't ever the case. He never said that. That wasn't ever the case. I think Mark Davis may have said that. But it was strictly a holdout. It got personal. And the Raiders panicked and made a trade. But Obviously, Khalil Mack had said, I don't want to be a Raider. Or I don't want to ever play for you guys or John Gruden. John Gruden wouldn't be making a call three years later. Hey, maybe we'll get Khalil Mack back if you guys are interested. So to me, those two things I thought were kind of cool. I don't think it's a huge story, but I thought it was interesting. I thought it was kind of fascinating, just kind of the way you know, the world turns.
1: It would have been a nice deal if they got it done because the Bears paid his signing bonus already, right? So would the Raiders be getting a good deal with, with Mack if they made the trade?
3: Well, definitely I, guess, I mean, still, I think it's similar. Uh, I forgot off the top of my head, but I think it's similar to what the they the giving Agakwe this year. Agakwe got uh, two years, twenty-six million dollars. So I think this year, I think it's like fourteen for Khalil. Next year, it's more. So definitely, the Bears paid most of it in the front end, but there's still a lot to come the next three years for for Khalil.
2: And he's restructured twice, so it's I I don't know exactly. You know, he restructured again. I think he restructured last off season. He restructured again this year. That's why it's only fourteen. So if he, they had traded for him, it wouldn't have been 14. It would have been in the 20s because it would have been pre-restructure. Um, so it would have it would have been a lot more than that 14 or so million. But you got to realize these things are all financial. I mean, for Khalil Mack, it would have been it's stupid for him honestly to to come take the field in training camp and all that when the only thing he had guaranteed was that fifth season on that fifth year option. I mean, guys of his caliber don't play unless they have future guaranteed years that's just how it works and um you know you, you don't have to like it as a fan but that's just how it works
4: the chances of them actually getting them back obviously were, were minuscule but I guess you can't make a shot if you don't take it like like Vic said I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing to try to get him back I guess in a way you're kind of admitting you, you made a mistake but I mean people kind of criticize Gruden and, and Mayock for not doing that anyway more, more so with their draft picks like you know taking Klee number four or, you know some of the first round picks that they've had um they kind of you know, say that they're stubborn and they don't want to admit when they're wrong. And this is kind of a situation where it's kind of like, eh, maybe we shouldn't have got rid of that guy. And so, you know, being a little bit honest about it, I guess obviously they didn't come out and, you know, ex- express that to the public and say it until Vic's story came out. But, you know, it just kind of shows, you know, Gruden, he's kind of, you know, whatever mistakes he might have made in the past, he's really just focusing on, on getting this thing right in the immediate future.
2: All right, well, as we look more toward this team, um, they're getting ready for Sunday. And, and Vic, you mentioned Devon uh, Diablo, uh, chance to see him, chance to see some of the younger guys. Was, was anybody else uh, a little bit taken aback by his, his one quote, where uh, he said his biggest surprise about the NFL was that you have to bring your A game every day. I mean, I I think that would be, uh, isn't, isn't that kind of common sense? You get to the NFL, you you, you got to bring it every day?
3: I give him an A for honesty. I mean, maybe you think you bring it three <laughs> out of four days. Like one day, you know, I'm going I'm to think it's not easy. I'm going to go a little less than full volume today. But I think it was honest. But uh, I thought it was funny because he mentioned Gardner Waller. And you know, I thought he had a, a good position and coverage. And then he got, you know, got blown away. and didn't realize how fast he was in person. So uh, they're high on the, on the kid. I think definitely that I liked him of college. I think he can play out to, as good speed, outside back, or as a safety in college. But they're pretty high on him. So hopefully get, for them, you can learn quickly. It's next nice to have some you know plays this week. And uh, they're ready to play a lot, I think, uh, when the season starts. Maybe he was so
1: dominant in high school and college that he, you know, he could bring those eighty percent days to practice, you know, every once in a while. And now when he gets to the league, he realizes, you know, if, if he's not a hundred, that he, he's going to get burned. So I like his potential too, but he, he missed so much time that it's tough to see how he's going to be able to contribute.
4: And they probably need him too. I mean, with with the injuries that they have, with but, but, you know Nicholas Moreau uh, sound like he has a, a pretty serious foot injury, and uh, obviously Javin White. Um, even though he wasn't going to play heavy snaps or was even starting to make the team, but he's also out. You know they don't have really too many proven options at linebacker outside of you know Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski, You know he's coming back from injury as well, and so he's missed some time. And so I think there's going to be an opportunity where they might actually need him to play some snaps early in the season, just due to you know having a lack of bodies. But, you know, it's been kind of hard to judge him just because we haven't really seen him. Um, you know, he's been around in practice and dressed out for the last couple of weeks, but he had never really participated in team drills until this week. And obviously, you know, as a linebacker, you know, you're not tackling. And, uh, you know, so it's kind of a little bit hard to judge him outside of pass coverage. But I think the biggest plus with him right now is he he looks like a linebacker. You know, a lot of these guys that kind of make that transition from, from safety to linebacker, they look a little bit light, but, uh, you know, I, th- I think they say he's like 225, 230 and, Um, He looks like he's big and strong enough to kind of hold up in the box uh, full time, which is obviously what he'll be doing. And so that's a positive sign. But hopefully, you know, he's able to play this weekend so we can get a better look at what he looks like in live action.
2: Obviously, we know the Raiders added a linebacker with Denzel Perryman, uh, the trade with the Panthers. They uh, give up a sixth round pick at Perryman and the seventh rounder back. I mean, I think this is not a mind-blowing trade. Uh, obviously, he, he went to Carolina on a two-year, $6 million deal in free agency, gets traded before ever playing a game after getting a multi-year free agent deal with hurt, hip pointer injury, then he got his toe stepped on. He got a speeding ticket on his driving to training camp, uh, going 91 miles an hour, uh, but was, uh, was kind of, uh, gets there to training camp and is showing everybody a speeding ticket. So he gets a speeding ticket going to training camp and, uh, and then they speed him on out of there. Uh, He's a guy that, I depth piece, you know, he was always kind of a situational player for Gus Bradley with the Chargers. Uh, 45% of the snaps was the most he ever played in the season. So, you know, w- would start occasionally. And, and, you know, he's a guy that I think gives him a little bit of depth and, and knows the system. But other, other than that, I mean, not a player to get hugely excited about.
3: Yeah, he's definitely much needed. I mean, i to, try to mention the injuries. And so he'll be able to, I mean, there'll be some time off. He has the COVID screening. The play won't be, uh, it will be the facility until Monday, I think. So, as long as he's ready to be a backup for the opener, I think they're fine with that the timeline. Uh, it is kind of weird how fast, you know, his uh, welcome rug got pulled out from him in Carolina. They gave him a two year deal for $6 million, uh, pay him $2 million up front, and then they pretty much just wanted him to go away. So, they, you know, they, they eat $2 million. But like you mentioned, Gus knows him well. He knows the system pretty well. Uh, he's had some flashes before as a solid player. So, one interesting note that, I mean, I'm not getting too much into the whole vaccination thing, but he has been pretty outspoken as an anti-vaxxer, so I'm curious how that will play uh, with the Raiders, but that will be something we'll see once he, once he arrives.
2: And that alters his actual arrival, right? Because he's got uh, to have a process to, to, before he can report to the team.
1: Watching Perriman throughout the years, he's always been a pretty solid player to above-average player when he's at his best. He's always played really well against the Raiders, so I, I think you know if he's healthy... He can contribute to this team. And, you know, especially when you're playing a Ravens, they're, they're so physical that having a line a thumper like him could actually be beneficial. You know, I think this is a pretty good trade for the Raiders. You know, they, they got him for pretty cheap. And at least they have a guy that could be a backup that knows the system.
4: The last note on Pearman, you know, we mentioned his two-year deal, but that second year is completely non-guaranteed. is a $3 million salary. So um, it's just kind of a situation like last year when they – uh Traded for Raquan McMillan and it doesn't work out. They don't have any any long term commitment to him.
2: Let's talk a little bit about Alex Leatherwood. Uh, Tashon wrote a big feature about him. Uh, Ted kind of broke him down a little bit in, in one of his pieces this week. Uh, we'll start with you, Tashon. I mean, getting a chance to talk to him uh, about a little bit more than just uh, football and kind of going through the grind. He found out some interesting things. The guy is uh, kind of in midst of being a little bit of a nerd. Tom Cable called him a nerd, um, likes to read, likes to journal. One thing that I found fascinating for a guy his size, he had to be talked into playing football. I mean, his, his brother, his dad, like, "Hey, you want to play football?" Nah, not really. Finally, got talked into it, and here he is, uh, you know, a first-round pick. You know, sometimes those kind of guys you get a little bit concerned about. Oh, is this? Does this guy really, really into it? He had to be talked into it. He, but uh, he, he seems like he's he's a very serious guy, very dedicated, and really wants to to prove that the Raiders made the right decision in taking him at seventeen.
4: Yeah, that was something that going in, I, d- I didn't know about his backstory. I kind of just assumed, especially, you know, as a guy growing up in Florida, you know, what the culture how is there, that football is kind of just what you do. Um, and given that he never really had played it, you know, on a team until then, and grew into somebody who was a top five player in the country recruiting wise, was, was pretty incredible. But I-, I talked to Charlie Ward, who I-, I connected with when I used to cover Florida State for us a couple years ago. Even before we kind of got to see Alex around and hear about how serious what serious he was in his demeanor, Charlie kind of talked about, you know, that's how he was as a high school kid. So he's got it pretty much from the jump, you know, even though he had pretty much no football experience when he started and um, had never really been in a setting before, he's, he's kind of been all business when it comes to this sport. And Charlie told me about, it, I didn't put it in the story, but like, you know, him going on recruiting visits to like, places he's never been and instead of going out at night he's in his room doing homework to make sure that he can enroll early at Alabama and so it's always been you know a, a pretty straightforward path for him and so it kind of made it a little you understood how he got to this point you know being a first round pick and a, and a rookie starter for the Raiders and so I'm sure, I'm sure he has another side where he relaxes a little bit but he's he's a pretty serious guy and uh, you know seems to be paying dividends so far for the Raiders I mean he's again you know it's preseason and his training camp and it's kind of hard to you know judge Lyman fully with a little bit of contact but He's held up pretty well in, 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 the, in the time that he's played, and he looked pretty good against the Rams in joint practices. You know, They tested him with Aaron Donald that one day that he practiced. And so it seems like at least he'll be a serviceable starter for the Raiders at right tackle um, this season, which is, you know, even though they had Trent Brown last year for, you know, like three games, you know, just having somebody that you know was there week in and week out, assuming that he's healthy is, you know, a pretty big upgrade for them at that position.
2: Yo, and then Ted, I mean, in, in watching the film of him, what was your big takeaway?
1: Yeah, I think his intelligence and preparation, you know, is something that you see on film since he's at Alabama, just, you don't have to worry about him messing up assignments and as far as, you know, passing off stunts and understanding pressure schemes and that stuff, I think he's, he was always really good in, in that department. One of his weaknesses in college was his over-reliance on using his outside arm. And that would lead him susceptible to like cross chops and those sort of things. But so far in the preseason, it looks like he's really improved using his uh, inside hand and then countering with the outside hand. But again, these are not starting caliber pass rushers just yet, but it's still encouraging to see him, you know, getting better at that specific technique. So if he does get some playing time against the Niners, I think the Niners are going to be playing their starters. So we might get to see him against a guy like D. Ford or, or possibly Nick Bosa, but we'll see him against some some guys that will actually play on Sunday. That'll be the uh, better test than what he's seen so far. You know, in terms of the hand work, how much do you think that
2: is a factor of, okay, if he's been over-relying on that outside hand as a left tackle like he played before, well, now he's over at right tackle, so when he over-relies on that left hand, that becomes the inside hand. Is, is maybe the, the move to right tackle uh, was kind of a natural thing for him.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I, I haven't played offensive line, so I don't know, you know, like how you know how um you would feel using you know your strong hand more than your your weaker hand. But that, that's a definite possibility. Maybe he's a, more of a natural right tackle. But we'll see if he can continue that improved technique when the this game speeds up a little bit more.
3: I was gonna say, how sad is it as a society that we're surprised the guy reads? I'm like, oh, he reads! Wow, wow, that's awesome. <laughs> Vic, what's your last book? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not going to talk. Only a book I <laughs> finished in the last 10 years was the autobiography of, of Artie Lang, the uh, comedian, the cocaine and the hooker uh, diaries. That's only <laughs> the only book I've read I've finished in the last 10 years. But I used to read a lot when I was younger. Uh,
2: I, I like how he brings up this topic. Like, he's this voracious reader. And like, no, no. I'm, I'm, on, I'm come not come saying I'm,
3: I'm, part of the pro- I'm part of the problem. I'm just saying that. It's kind of sad that, that we're all like, oh, my God, he reads books. One thing, I think obviously Weatherwood's going to be fine on the run game from day one. I think he's definitely a big mauler type. That should be an easy adjustment. The passing game, we'll have to wait and see how he does his first year. But one thing I think is weird, not weird, but it's like stuck in the back of my mind, like three times now I've heard, like Derek Carr said it twice, I think a coach said it once, that if he fails, it won't be because of a lack of effort. Which I think it's just a weird thing to say about someone. Like, like why would you introduce that thought? Well, you don't have to bring your A game every day, man. You don't have to. No, yeah. Bring your I a just a think that's, that's a weird way of the, the, to talk about a first round pick. But you know, so far, so good. Tom Cable obviously liked him a lot, and they were happy with him so far in camp. But I think the pass rush will definitely be his big test. And uh, ideally, he holds up more often than not, or else it'll be a longer year for Derek Carr than uh, they planned.
2: All right. Our colleague, Ben Standig, uh, did his third annual agent survey. He talks to uh, a bunch of agents across the league and asks them uh, a series of questions and kind of gathers opinions. In part two of the survey, you can read this on The Athletic. Question five, what do you think of John Gruden's return to the Raiders three years into his 10-year contract? The answers are, are pretty predictable. Um, you guys can read uh, read them all, but um, I'll read one of them. Yeah, remove the name and the glamorized image, and I don't see it. Where did this QB guru label come from? He had one year with another coach's players and got this huge deal. Can you imagine any other coach with his resume getting that 10-year deal? And I mean, you know, these are all arguments that I think we, we've heard, and and I think that's what what points to how big this year is. I mean, they have shown kind of that incremental in- improvement. What four and 12 to seven and nine to eight and eight incremental improvement nothing that you know deserves praise that's why this year is kind of the tipping point I think I mean if if you can continue the incremental improvement and and you're you know nine and eight ten and seven I got to reconfigure my mind to think of these 17 game schedules but um, nine and eight ten and seven then okay you can say he's going in the right direction but if this turns into a a four or five win season that really paints your image I mean so where
1: are you guys at right now with the Raiders under Gruden going into what's really a huge year as far as on the field, play calling and strategy, you know, I, I really like what Gruden is doing. I, I think he's one of the better play designers in, in the league. And he's really helped kind of work on some of the weaknesses Derek Carr has and and helped improve, improve him as a quarterback. So, you know, I, I don't know what quantifies what a quarterback guru is, but I think he's definitely helped Derek Carr's game. I think the problem is just the front office stuff that's questionable some of those moves he's made some of the guys he signed some of the draft picks those are what's question that's what's questionable but I think the coaching side of things is pretty solid you know but he needs to get that defense fixed you know he's the one's hiring the defensive coordinators so uh, that's also part of the
4: the coaching part of this I would agree I mean given you know what the on-field results have been just in terms of wins and losses I don't think we would expect for reviews to be glowing at this part of of his tenure you know but as Ted said, you know, I, I mean, the worst thing you probably say about Gruden on the field is he tends to get conservative when it comes to, you know, going forward on fourth down or, or his red zone play calling. But I mean, you can pick and choose with pretty much any coach, and they have some some sort of weakness. But I agree that it's more so the, the personnel decisions, which is a big thing. I mean, that's part of the reason why he got that ten year, hundred million dollar you know reported deal is you know giving him full control of the team. Essentially, I know Mike Mayock's the general manager, but you know, obviously, you know Gruden's making making those final calls, and so. Um, Where it be the draft picks that haven't worked out that are high, or you know some of the big money deals that they've thrown out. I mean, the point of tearing tearing down a team in your first year is obviously to get those high draft picks and trading away stars and accumulate that and free up all this cap space. You can't get all of that and then mostly miss, you know, with, with with the results that you get, which is basically what's happened so far. not to say it's going to always be the case, but given what he what's what he's done in, in that role so far, I think the criticism is kind of warranted.
3: I think that's a key point. He blew up the roster when he got there. I think you looked at a team; they were a playoff team in 2016. Obviously, had a step back 2017. They really got fired, so but there still probably was enough talent there. You could have maybe not done a major rebuild, but John wanted to come in and put his own stamp on things. So it took a couple steps back before they can take some steps forward. So they have made steps forward every year. I agree about Derek Carr improving under John Gruden. So this is definitely um, this is like you've all said. This is kind of a do or die year for Derek Carr. Mike act more than it is for John Gruden. John Gruden's not going anywhere. But um, everything points to this year as far as those two guys and their future. So I think it's kind of, I almost I want to say playoffs or bust for those two guys.
2: Yeah, you know, Gruden's in one of those spots where it's like, if he could just kind of understand like what his his specialty was, what he does really well. And, and Ted, like you've talked about, the play call and the play design. I mean, he's still a very good offensive coach. But, I mean, that's the way the NFL works. You know, when, when you're in charge of one thing, you want to be in charge of more. And, I mean, some coaches are up to it, some are not. You know, I look at Denver, and I think of Vic Fangio, where if you talk to people around the league just about him as a defensive coach, I mean, he's considered just I mean as good as it gets in terms of a defensive coordinator. But then you look at his overall body of work in Denver – and his game management's terrible. Um, You know, there's questions about how he kind of handled the, the quarterback competition this offseason and waiting so long to make a decision, all that. Like Him as a head coach, there's a lot of stuff to criticize. But him as like a defensive coach is about as good as it gets. Obviously, Gruden is not going to be one that's going to like, oh, OK, I'll step back. I'll just coach, the, you know, I'll just coach the team. It just goes to show that sometimes like taking on more than what you're an expert at is not necessarily the best for your organization. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
2: All right, let's move on to some questions here before we get out of here. Uh, we'll start with this one from Mash A. Question, honestly, how does this defense look versus past years? They've got to play a game, right? they got, they
3: got to play a game. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, I have no idea. But uh, it's clearly addressed the pass rush. I think there's no question that Agakwe has been a nice breath of fresh air. Max Crosby's in great shape. Those two are kind of pushing each other. So uh, I think Nassim's been good in, in terms of a backup a pass rusher. So they should be fine, I think, in terms of the pass rush. We're just saying a lot for them based on the previous years. But uh, yeah, run defense, question mark. Depth, question mark. Uh, secondary, still a question mark. Even though I uh, like Merrick a lot. But who knows how the other guys are going to take a step up or not. So uh, I think on paper, it's better. But we don't really don't know how much better till, like you said, till the real game
4: starts. Yeah, I think they play like three defensive starters in each of the two preseason games so far. So, I mean, like, who knows? I mean, at this point, like, we're all just kind of guessing. I try not to overreact too much to training camp in the preseason. But, um, you know, like you're saying on paper, they look better. But I don't know, I guess we probably could have said that last year, too, with some of the free agent signings that they made. Uh, they
2: solved so, the linebacker position last yeah, year. Come yeah, it's going to be their they first. They had it solved. Yeah,
4: like, they like,
3: legit linebackers.
4: <laughs> yeah, the first year in two decades with some linebackers. So like, I, don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, it was a little bit early to make that call.
3: Plus they had the, Don't forget the. they had the key to the defense last year, also. That was a big addition last year. Oh, uh, yeah.
2: All right. Question here from Aaron B. I read Vic's article where he stated that Javin White was on the roster bubble before his injury and was curious as to the reason for this. It would seem like he was one of our better outside linebackers for depth, at
3: least. Well, my reason was that uh, you had the top three guys, right? You had Morrow, and Kwiatkowski. Then you had Diablo. He's the third round pick this year. He's not going anywhere. There's four guys right there. I'm guessing you want to keep five linebackers. I think you have a lot of D linemen, a lot of uh, secondary guys. So the fifth lineman. It was probably going to be amused I thought. Third round pick last year, he's definitely a special teams guy. Uh, Gruden's mentioned the wife's not been great on teams so far. Obviously, he's made more plays in defense, but that was my question mark. Was it, was it one of those two guys not going to make it? So I thought it was fair to say he was in the bubble.
2: You don't use that many linebackers in this league anymore, so you don't keep, you don't keep that many. You don't keep six linebackers.
3: Is he potentially a practice squad guy? He was last year. I mean, White, so I would imagine, you know, if they got him stashed last year, they probably, in the back of their minds, like, you know what, probably can do that again. And then you can call those guys up and down now with a new rule. So you might have made it. He definitely made some plays on defense. I just think that, um, I think it's clearly, in the coach's mind, he uses better on teams, which I think is probably a bigger need for that last linebacker spot. So that was why I see it was in the bubble. But uh, he played well. I was not trying to, uh, you know, give me any, uh, any hate. I love.
2: The fact that Gruden—it was kind of surprising. We all the way the way we saw him react to the injury, carted off, crying, all that. We kind of figured that that meant ACL, and Gruden called Morrow's injury uh, uh, more serious. Um. So, but I, the thing is with Javin White, even if he's is, his is like a two month injury, the only way you can come back later in the season from being on injured reserve is to make the fifty three, and a player like him, if he's like a, a fifth sixth linebacker type. I, I would not imagine the Raiders put him on the 53 IRM after Tuesday um, to make him eligible to come back. So, I mean, he's probably in that position where, like, even if the injury is not serious enough to be season ending, my guess is he probably ends up on season ending
4: IR. Yeah, it could be another Tanner Muse like last year.
2: Yeah, you stash him. and you like, You've like you seen enough in two years here that you like him. You want to keep him in the organization. You say, sorry, man, we got to IR you. You're, you're going to miss this year, but you know, we'll see what you can do in 2022. Uh, All right, uh, from Benjamin H., looking back on the draft, it seems miraculous that Trayvon Merrick was still available in the second round. Are you seeing any sign of the injury issue that supposedly called caused him to fall out of the first round? It was, what, a back injury, right?
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's... Thinking back, I don't remember him missing a practice during either mini camp or training camp off the top of my head. So I would say no. I mean, like he looked fine to me. He's been making plays pretty consistently throughout camp. They played on pretty significant significant snaps in these preseason games. And so I feel like if there was any concern about injuries the way that they've handled barely playing starters in the preseason that he just wouldn't be out there, even though he's a rookie. So I haven't seen anything that would make me think so.
3: Yeah, I was surprised he fell in the second round. I know Sh- I think Sean and I both have him at top safety. Um, obviously, the Raiders got lucky that um, something happened. Some teams were concerned about his back injury. He slipped a little bit, and they were able to make a trade up and get him. So I thought it was your best move of the offseason. I think so far, I've, I liked a lot what I've seen. I think he's uh, true center fielder. They have not had that in a long time. He makes plays in the ball. So I, I, if I was a Raiders fan, I'd be very excited about him as far as just giving him something he have not had in a long time.
2: All right. Question here from Jeremy P. I haven't seen a lot of smiling from Gruden at these pressers. What's your sense of his mood? Is there any particular reason for the sullenness here lately? Vic, he just loves looking at you. I think. Uh, yeah, I think you. I, how come you can't bring a smile to Gruden's face?
3: That's it's a good question. you think he'd be happier because there's last access this year. He's not talking with as often. There's no like your personal stuff. It's all just press conferences and. Not that many at that. So uh, I think he'd be happier. Like, the locker rooms are closed. You can never control the message. So uh, I don't know why he's not in a better mood. Maybe it's the pressure. Maybe, like you said, he realizes this is the year. It has to happen. And uh, they have a huge decision coming up on Derek Carr and his contract. So this is really – they got to not only see it as a good year and progresses from last year, but it's like a hundred million, $50 million decision. They got to, pick, got to give him a new contract. So maybe the stress is, is wearing him down. Maybe it's the heat or the smoke in the air. Maybe uh, Wayne Newton isn't doing any live shows right now, so I don't know. But uh, I don't think it's me, or I don't think it's our fault. But uh, it might be.
4: Oh, man, maybe he wants more questions from me you. I don't know. He's, he's not getting as many as he as he normally let's does.
3: Let's work on that. Let's, let's get him for next time. Let's, let's, let's tag tag Timo.
4: All right, from
2: uh, Timo, I was surprised to hear Greg Olson talk about the wide receiver group being one of the toughest to decide who to keep are John Brown and Willie Sneed in danger of being cut for one of the rookies?
3: Yeah, which rookie? Which undrafted free agent sneaking back in there? <laughs> <laughs> Keelan Doss.
2: No, not, not Keelan Doss, off no. His
3: shoulders. <laughs> Dylan Stoner, baby.
2: Uh, Marcel, a- Marcel Aitman got mobbed for his touchdown, got a podium game, and then got sent out of town. I think
3: that was kind of, it might have been, you know, uh, a package deal. They might have... They might have known that was coming. It seemed like that was a nice little way to send them We're going to get you a tee. Yeah, he, uh, he said they, they ran him. me a play. They told me this place for you. They got like, yeah, all picked out. Derek Carr was in the end already waiting for him to celebrate. But um, Marshall's a great guy. He definitely uh, made some plays over the years. was a good uh, good Raider. But um, hopefully he gets a chance to go on and hook up somewhere else. But back to your question, I thought the six guys were kind of a lock because Willie Sneed was the veteran guy, a leadership guy, a good slot player. Not the first five spots were locked up already, She was the sixth guy. But I think Stoner's played well. I think, um, I don't watch all 22 of preseason film. I mean, I had I'm trying to like you know, have a life at some point, but those who do, we well, waiting, <laughs> they don't have it, they're not. They're Wait, not what do you they're say not, what are you get, saying they're, about they're, me? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, glad you, I'm glad you caught that. I'm glad you caught that one, but um, I'm 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 told that on two of the play, on one play each of the last two games where the O-line, the back of the line got blown up and the play got destroyed. I'm told Stoner was running wide open down the side on two of those plays, so might have had two touchdowns if things had been a little differently. So I think the coaches do, yeah. like, do like him a lot. I don't think he's told, I, I, I said he was in, then I said, now nah, he's out. Now I'm like, hey eh, he might be back in. So I'm not sure if that would be for Snead or Brown or if they try trying to keep seven guys and have him maybe be the, uh, The punt returner. But um, I think he's still in the mix. That's why I think Ole said that. I think Ole uh, likes him also. I think the coaching staff is pretty high on, on the kid. Rolling out us a lifeline alive.
2: for uh, Dylan Stoner. So you, you've given us something to watch on Sunday. There you we're go. Be watching Dylan Stoner. Anytime the pocket collapses and there's no time to throw, we're going to be looking exactly. to see if Dylan Stoner <laughs> running go. open down the field. And we used to have the Arden Key almost sacks, which we might we got, might get to see that on, on Sunday. Instead of the Arden Key almost sacks, we're going to see the Dylan Stoner almost touchdowns where he's wide open, but they can't get the ball. Maybe they he can't get the touchdown because Arden Key is getting into the backfield.
3: That'd be a great story. that be a great story. So we got. got we got three things to watch. We got Diablo. We got Stoner. And we got Arden Key. What a game! I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's sounding less and less like we're going to be able to watch Marcus Mariota, though. And so, a question here from Steve Z: Could Mariota be a surprise roster cut since he's been too injured to play in either of the first two preseason games? And then, you know, there was seemed to be some uncertainty talking to Greg Olson about whether or not they're going to be able to get him out there on Sunday.
3: What's that GIF where a Batman slapping the hell out of Robin back and forth, or like he slapping him across the face? That's what I'm doing with that question. You're not going to cut Mariota. Come on, man. They did all this work to keep him here in the offseason. I think he's a great backup. I think the reason you don't play him is because in his two years here, he's been injury prone. So why would you risk that against you? You say the Niners could play their top defense. I don't want him facing their top defense. I don't want that.
2: If you're too scared to pay your backup in a preseason game, I mean, I get that, that. That would be the argument. If you're too scared to put your backup quarterback into a preseason game.
3: Too scared or too smart. Maybe, I see. I got, I got, that's why I got, that's why I paid Peterman a million dollars. Peterman can take all those hits. That's his job. That's why he, that's why he earns his money. He takes 12 quarters of hits in the but preseason. See,
2: if you, but you take, you keep those three QBs then you can't
3: keep Dylan Stoner. Ah, uh, that's a good point. But, uh, 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 I don't know, I'm not sure about that. But, uh, to answer the question, there's no way they cut Mariona. I think, um, they went through two months the season with the, uh, you know, contract, the uh, pay cut, and they wouldn't let hit free agency. I think, um, he's a great locker room guy. I mean. I think he's he's fine.
2: As long as John Gruden is running this team, nothing will surprise me, though. All right, final question here from Greg L. The national media, as usual, effing media, has been pretty down on the Raiders this season. Do you guys agree that they are the fourth best team in the AFC West? Chiefs, obviously, number one. You've got the Chargers, excitement around Justin Herbert. Broncos have a, a really top flight defense, or at least the makings of one, with a great secondary and, and some pass rushers. And we'll see what they do offensively now that Teddy Bridgewater's the QB. I don't know. I mean, the Raiders are definitely uncertainty. I mean,
4: I think it's a logjam for that number two spot. I think it'd be a pretty competitive division. So I mean, it's, it's not impossible they they could end up being the fourth team, but like I probably wouldn't pick them to be there. But I think all those teams would be pretty close record wise. You know, uh, I think the Broncos are probably the one where I would slot them fourth just because I think their offense is going to be pretty pretty terrible this year. Um, You're just
2: mad that they didn't pick Drew Locke. And, Come on, uh, they're probably going to be it's
4: just bitter. Hey, they're going to be pretty terrible in offense either way. They just should have had a Mizzou guy started. But anyway, like the Chargers, you know, on paper like they look great, but like we said about the Chargers, like half the years out of the last decade I feel like and it doesn't work they're out actually healthy time.
2: though this year they have yeah, for now. injuries. Brandon Staley has like not let any starter play they had, they had they went through all of OTAs without doing any 11 on 11 work like they've like they have basically put everybody in bubble wrap so then come week one they're all they're suddenly gonna I ta- have to take hits and we'll see how they survive that
4: yeah so I feel like every team outside of Chiefs has some pretty significant questions and their season could go either way in pretty dramatic ways so like I think they're all pretty close. Like I kind of considered them even at the number two spot, to be
3: honest. Yeah, I don't get why the Broncos are getting so much love. I think the Broncos, Philly, um, to me, are the fourth best team, I think. The defense, obviously, is pretty good. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater, eh, I mean, who's? Uh, and then uh, Vic Fangio, like you said, really not a good coach. I mean, we saw the last year all lot of examples, game-based stuff, where he, the games against the Raiders made some horrible decisions. I just think um, a good defensive coordinator, but it overmatches a coach, Definitely falls down my list of the all, on the all victims that went down the rankings pretty quickly. The Chargers, I think Justin Herbert, I mean, people, I know that through the national media, they love that guy. He's great. But I wouldn't be surprised if they little step down this year. I think there might be some growing pains in a year or two for him. So I think there's definitely a, a pretty decent shot where this could be the second best team in, in the division.
1: I mean, if you look at the Broncos, their roster is stacked up and down, but they have a huge hole at quarterback, obviously. But I mean, if they. If you look at their offense, you know, they got Noah Fain, they have Sutton back. Noah Fain's the first guy you name? I mean... I'm, I'm just whew. reeling off the, the talent they have on <laughs> offense, but yeah, Fain's not the top guy, but they have Sutton back, Judy coming to a second year, Tim Patrick, Hamler, their offensive lines improve with Munchuk. We know about the defensive talent, but yeah, just that quarterback position is just really shaky. Um but, I mean, just as far as the, the media part of that question is concerned, I, you know, I just don't think that the Raider fans should be too concerned about people hating on the Raiders just because they have not had a lot of success in the last 20 years. So, you know, until they start winning and proving themselves, don't worry about the, what the media is
3: going to say. You know, it's just it's just the way it is when you lose that many games. Don't kid yourself, man. Raider fans love that stuff. They live for the national media ripping them. They, like, pour beers in their heads and get all fired up and start young on the TV. Uh, they love that stuff they actually would be I think miserable if they weren't getting bad uh, press from the national media but um below alarm be your list of Broncos. you would know fan one and you had Tim Patrick was the third guy you named. To think- i think fourth guy. fourth
1: guy he went he went Cortland sutton jerry judy hey, faith's gonna be pretty good this year they've got
2: a good supporting cast on offense just they don't have anyone to get in the ball but i know they're really excited about the the second round uh uh running back they got javante williams out of north carolina they're really excited about him um you know and they've got melvin gordon who's you know he's a guy, he's a I, mean, guy. Exactly. But they, he's I know they really they're really excited about javante williams so um We'll see, but I think one of the reasons the Broncos get a lot of love is just like I think media-wise, p- people love the Vic Fangio defense, and so like it's the combination of the Fangio defense and then George Payton, their GM, their new GM who came over from uh, uh, Minnesota, very highly thought of as well. So I think a lot of it's the combination of like people really respect the the new guy who's building that team, and they really expect respect that defense, and it's the kind of the charge is like okay, whoever's quarterbacking just don't fuck it up, and we'll see. All right, guys. Well, Raiders back in the bay at the Forty ers on Sunday. Uh will be the first time ever that all four hosts of the State of the Nation podcast are actually in the same building. So it should be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys all on uh, on Sunday. Uh
3: should we do like a photo session for fans outside the press box and come and take a picture of us four together? Autograph <laughs> session? Autograph or, session? A-
2: autograph session? Like what we charge? Five bucks each for uh, for autographs and, and photos that seems and uh so. Everybody who brings Deshaun a beer gets Ooh, a photo and an autograph. Uh, <laughs> a beer, a dog, and a um, and, and a, a medium rare medi- steak. Medium, medium rare steak. There we go. Beer, dog, a medium rare steak, and and maybe uh, offer baseball tickets. Uh, oh, anybody geez. who does that, you guys want me, me to leave it? the game?
4: Yeah, I'm <laughs> to get the hell out of there pregame. Uh,
2: all right, guys, we'll see you all on Sunday. Should be fun.
4: All right, see you.
2: Later,
1: guys.
3: Adios.